God tells us to declare his glory among the nation, his marvelous works with all people. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. You are my witnesses. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal. God is making an appeal in the people all around you through you. God, you ever looked at me, man, what is wrong with that person? God's saying, I know, I'm trying to get to them through you. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared, ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you. You know, it seems quite evident, quite clear that God wants you and me to share his love, his work, the gospel with the world. You know, a lot of the passages like that will, will use world and peoples and nations. And I've, I've wondered at times, you know, because I know God wants my insight on things. I've wondered, you know, God, why don't you say people or, or why don't you say neighbors and friends and coworkers and classmates? That, Lord, that'd be a little more practical. That'd be a little bit more pointed for us. You know, the funny thing is, regardless of what word he uses or words, that's who we're going to be sharing with, the people around us. But then, you know, it dawned on me. If God actually had said, share the gospel with your friends, neighbors, coworkers, classmates, then theoretically, I could reach a place where I'm done. I'd be able to say, God, I've shared with everybody, and guess what? We're never done. If you share with every single person you know, then God says, press on to the whole United States and, yea, the whole world. Man, it, folks, it's not only clear that you and I are to be sharing the gospel. We're actually to be having the mindset that we're to share this with every single person, with as many as we can. And, and yet, <laughs> if you go by statistics... of us, gosh, that's a big number. I mean, that's just a really huge percentage. 94% of us will never share the gospel one single time. Forget with everybody that I can, we won't won't do it even even one time. You know, I'll tell you something. In my heart of hearts, because I just believe so big in y'all, I think our church beats that. I think there's way more than 6% of us doing that. But, but how much bigger than 6% would it be? What Would it be all the way up to 12%? All, all the way up to 24%? What, why are we not doing the one thing God's left us on the planet to do? You know, and we can talk about reasons, and they're going to, I think there's a lot of reasons, and they're going to fall out in two basic categories. One reason is going to, or a group of reasons are going to have something to do with, I, I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. None of us wants to do something we don't know how to do. And then there's going to be another set of reasons, and they're all going to kind of fall under the, I'm not willing. I'm, I'm not willing to pay the price. I'm not willing for the the cost of that. So let's chat about these two things just for a moment. The I don't know how. Now, I've, I've got bad news for you. In 10 minutes, you'll never be able to say that again. I mean, it, you say 10 minutes. We can't learn that in 10. Yeah, in, in 10 minutes, 
you will never again be able to stand before God and say, I I didn't know how, because God's going to say, yes, you did. October 3rd, I was there. I watched you. I was in the room the whole time. So here here we go. It's going to take 10 minutes. Four points. Number one, pray. Pray, 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 pray. Begin, middle, and end of witnessing is prayer. And and here's why. Because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to pick up your words and do something with them so far beyond what you could ever think or imagine. See, our problem is I'm really dependent upon me. God didn't say to be dependent upon me. He said be dependent on him. And the Holy Spirit's going to touch our words and use our words. But not only is the Holy Spirit doing something in and through us, but the Holy Spirit's working in the person that we're talking to to open their heart and our mind to the words that are coming out of our mouth. So it's an entirely work of God. And so we're going to want to pray all the way through this. We're praying for people to be saved. We're praying by name for people in our lives. We're praying, God, use me. God, open my eyes, open my ears to things going on around me, to opportunities going on around me. There's never been a day where God hadn't brought a person he wants you to share the gospel with into your life. It's kind of stunning because I don't know about you, but I hadn't shared the gospel every day. Not every week, not every month. So God, open my eyes to what you're wanting me to see all the time. And I've grown very used to ignoring. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to prayerfully. Now, I didn't need to put the word prayerfully. I just thought I'm going to add it there because it's, it, we're praying about this, right? It's, it's all about prayer. So we're going to prayerfully create opportunities. There's lots of ways to create opportunities. I'm going to give you one now. It's the silver bullet. You'll want to be sure and write this down. You ready? How are you? I mean, really, how are you? I don't know that that question is maybe could mean as much as it's ever meant in our world right now, in our nation right now. Now, obviously, that's an everyday question. We hear it all the time. We say it all the time. And we all say fine even when we're not fine. I mean, somebody say, how are you doing? I'm fine. I mean, I'm completely dying inside. But other than that, all's good. (laughs) Yeah, you know, there's a lot of times we can say, how are you, and, and nothing. But you know what? Stop and think about it. Stop and think about this past week. Every now and then when you say, how are you, somebody lets you in. And they tell you a little bit about what's going on. So at the start of the message, I, I, that verse, declare, declare your glory among the nation, your marvelous works. I'm going to give you a, right now, one sentence to obey that command. One sentence to be a great witness for the Lord. After you say, how are you, and they give you an answer, then you say this. I'll be praying for you. That, that's a witness. That, that sentence makes you a faithful witness before the Lord. So what, saying I'll pray for you? Yeah, because you just said there's a God. He knows, he listens, he cares, and he has the power to do something. I, I'll pray for you. Another one. Now, you can't, you can't say this unless it's true. Let's really cut down as much of our wit, no lying in our witnessing as much as possible, right? But if they share something that's, hey, I've been through that. Then you can say, hey, you know, I've I've been through something like that. And boy, I tell you, my relationship with Christ really helped me to get through that. Now, a lot of times you and I are not going to use these phrases because we're afraid of the response. Well, let me tell you right now what the response is going to be. Nine out of ten, you're going to get little to no visible response. Oh, thank you, or that's nice, or oh, there might be a couple that will let you know that that sentence was a little bit awkward, 
And now we're all kind of feeling awkward, and that's why we don't say that sentence, right? Because Lord knows I can't handle any awkwardness. But, but that's really, I think you'll find it only stings just for a second, like the shot. Just a second it stings. But you know, every now and then there's that, that one out of ten that lets you go a little bit further. But here's what I can tell you about ten out of ten. All ten people you say that to are going to think about what you said. When they get to the car, when they're laying in bed alone, they're laying there, I promise you they're going to think. Now, I can't tell you if they're going to think about it 10 seconds or they're going to think about it for 10 minutes, but there is a 100% guarantee they will think about that sentence. You say, how do you know? Because the Holy Spirit is going to make sure they think about that sentence. That's what he does. So we pray We prayerfully consider opportunities, and every now and then somebody opens the door, and that's where we tell our story. I wouldn't say every time I I witness, I tell my story, but that is a very effective, that is a very good tool to just kind of do this a little step at a time. You can kind of get an idea of what a story is by looking at Paul. In Acts chapter 9, we see Paul get saved. And then in Acts 22 and in Acts 26, you see Paul tell the story of what we read about in Acts chapter 9. And you'll see that he kind of follows an outline. And you should follow this outline. Here's the outline of your story. Before, how, now. Got that? Before, how, and now. Before I came to Christ, how I came to Christ, and now my life in Christ. Before, how, and now. You should write it out. You should work on it. You should practice it with people who will listen to you that you're not scared of. Practice it with your mate, your children, your parents, with a a good Christian friend, but practice it and get it down so that you can tell it, are you ready for this, in three minutes or less. You want to be, so why do I need to tell it in three minutes or less? Because this got to work everywhere all the time. It's got to work in an Uber. It's got to work in the elevator. It's, it's got to work in a cubicle. It's got to work while you're passing by. We want to get it down to where we can tell it in about three minutes. And that in the rest of your life is boring. So come on, three minutes or less, all right? Do that in three minutes. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to tell you my story. Just to give you an example, listen for things that you say, oh, that's like me. Because that's kind of the goal of the story. That's why you can do it in three minutes or less. It's not really about somebody knowing all about your life. It's about them going, hey, I wonder if what's worked for him or her could do that for me. And so listen for, uh, you know, hey, that's like me. Now, obviously, I'm not like everybody in the world, right? So there's going to be things that you're not going to be like that. But then listen for words where, hey, I want that. Okay, so it's not something about my life, maybe what I'm experiencing. Listen for words. See, already? I said, uh, so I said, do it in three minutes. I said, mine's actually in two minutes. And of course, y'all are a bunch of smart Alex. So somebody timed me last hour and sent me to it. It was two minutes and 33 seconds. Okay, but just hang with me here. It's under three minutes. Y'all ready? I grew up going to church, you know, and I. I did church things. I believed church things. That was really kind of my life uh, for a long time. I mean, like I said, that's how I, that's how I grew up. And, I, you know, I was probably a good person. That's how I think people would have looked at me, people in church, people outside of church. I, would, I think would have thought of me as a good person. I thought I was a good person. I don't think I was arrogant about that. I just thought, you know, 
there's a lot of problems in the world. I don't think I'm one of them. I, I, I thought I was a pretty good person. I was also mostly happy and content. And, and you know, I say that because I think a lot of times we think the only reason somebody comes to Jesus is because they're miserable and life is horrible and I'm empty and broken. And no doubt a lot of people do find Christ in that, but that, that's not me. Actually, I was, I was pretty happy and content. But one night I was at church. It was, it was a, uh, a special night. It was a special event. And uh, this, this person shared the gospel. I'd heard the gospel lots of times. And I, I think I would have told you every one of those times. I, I believe that. I, I would adhere to those ideas. Uh, I, I, just, I think I would have told you I believe in the gospel. But I don't know that I can quite explain. But something happened that night. Something clicked. And I was absolutely overwhelmed with the reality of God, the reality of my sin, and the reality that there is a way back to God, and it's not the way I say it is. It's not my way. It's not a multitude of ways. It's God's way. He has a way for me back to Him. And you know, I said just a second ago, I thought I was a a pretty good person. But you know what? I know what goes on in here. You, you know what goes on inside you. And boy, that night I knew, hey, I, I actually need to move toward this gift. And I, I took a step of faith and gave my life to Christ. And boy, ever since then, I have enjoyed not a, not a new religion, not a, not a better moral code. Man, I've enjoyed a living relationship with God. And from that relationship, man, I, I enjoy every day, every week, His security uh, his presence, his guidance, his protection. I have his help. I'm telling you something. Having a relationship with Christ has meant something to me every day in everything going on in my life. Now, that's my story. Now, you take my very first line. I grew up in church. You know, there's less and less and less of America that's going to identify with that line, right? But, but some will. Or, or how about this? You know, I'm a pretty good person, I think you'll find that most people think they're pretty good people. That doesn't mean they're saying they're perfect. That doesn't mean they don't understand the concept of sin. But you know why we all think we're pretty good people? Don't we all know what actually goes on inside here? There's some real hate, some real ugliness. There's some awful, we know what's happening in here. Everybody knows what's happening in here. Or at the end, just throwing out those words that were all true for me. Security, peace, guidance, stuff everybody wants. Every day, in every situation, everybody wants those things. So you're, you're looking to, to create that story that, hey, what is true about me, but it's also what everybody is looking for. And you, you work on being able to tell that story. Now, kind of like we just said about the one sentence. Okay, now we're thinking about how are they going to respond? Because I just really put myself out there. Well, about the same as you saying you're going to pray for them. About nine out of ten are going to say, oh, thank you. Oh, that's, that's great for you. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad that worked for you. And they're saying that, right, as they're backing away. Because I'm, re- I'm ready to be out of this conversation. Which is another reason to make it three minutes or less. If they have to endure that for 30 minutes, it's really going to leave a mark. Okay, so we want about three minutes. But listen, 100% are going to do what? They're going to think about what you just shared. They're going to wonder if what is true for you and me 
could be true for them. They're, they're, they're going to think about it later. And then there's that one out of ten that's going to open the door a little bit wider. And now we move to share the gospel. Now, you need to know my story, your story, my, my story is not going to lead anybody to Jesus Christ. My good works are not going to lead anybody to Jesus Christ. My, love, my involvement in Love 804 is not going to lead anybody. Wait, 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 I thought this is why we did all this. Well, let me kind of finish that thought. God will use my story. God will use my good works, my kindness, whatever. He's going to use that to give a platform. He's going to use that to open doors. But folks, my good works and my story don't call anybody to a decision in Jesus Christ. The gospel does that. And this is where, this is where the, the, the train goes off the track. Okay, a lot of us are willing, way more than 6% are willing to say, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, Jesus has really meant something. A lot of us are willing to pray. But when we get to this part, this is where just everything falls apart. And a lot of us are going to say that because we're, we're, we're going we're to feel comfortable with that because we're going to say, I don't want to shove my religion down anybody's throat. Isn't that good of us? You know, I got good news for you. God doesn't want you to shove your religion down anybody's throat. Do you know who told us this was shoving something down somebody's throat? The devil told us that. The culture trained us to feel like we're doing something good in never obeying the one thing God's left me on planet earth to do. I don't want to shove my religion down anybody's throat. You know, I quoted the verse a moment ago, 1 Peter 3.15, said, you know, set apart Christ as Lord in your heart, always be ready to give a defense, and I stopped right there. If I'd have quoted the whole verse, it goes on to say, with gentleness and respect. Folks, God doesn't want you fighting. He doesn't want you condemning. He doesn't want you manipulating. He doesn't want you calling names. He doesn't want you chasing somebody and holding them down until you get the whole gospel out. He said, with gentleness, with gentleness, with respect. I respect you as a person. I respect you've got questions and ideas. I respect that all my experiences are not your experiences and and vice versa. I respect your time. You know, because God told me to do this with gentleness and respect, because he never said, shove this down somebody's throat, almost always, I mean, it depends on the person and kind of how the conversation is unfolding, but almost always I ask for permission. I I say, "Hey, hey, would you mind if I took... Five minutes, and that's going to be very important in a moment. I'll explain why, but I'll say, hey, would you give me five minutes? Can I tell you about what the Bible says about how you can know Christ and have a relationship with them? Or, hey, if you give me five minutes, I can share with you how my story can become your story. Five minutes. Most of us, most people can endure something for five minutes. Also, by putting a little ending on it, You you know, it it makes it a little bit easier to say yes, because when you start down this road, I mean, am I here for an hour? How long are you going to do this? Only preachers get to go on forever and ever, and you get stuck, right? But most of the time, that doesn't work out there, or they say, you're what? You're preaching at me. You know, it's great to have a profession that everybody uses in a negative way. It's wonderful for the self-image. But uh, 
So I'll, I'll, I'll ask for permission, and, and then I'll start to, to share the gospel. Now, what I want to show you is four ideas of the gospel. I'm not teaching a presentation today. There's lots of presentations. There's lots of ways to share the gospel. There's one that's called the good news and the bad news. It's only two points. Those two points have all four of those ideas. We here taught a, a way of sharing our faith for a long time that had five points, and those five points were those four right there. So what, whatever way you present it, these are the ideas that you're presenting. Number one, God loves you and has a plan for your life. John three sixteen. you might add John 10, 10. There, there, there's a bunch of passages. The reason you and I don't experience God's love and plan is because of our sin, Romans three twenty three. And Jesus has died for your sin. He has provided a way for you back to God, 1 Peter 3, 18. Now, those first three things are facts. They're true every day for everyone, everywhere. The impact happens when we get to number four because it calls to a decision. See, my, my life story, my three-minute doesn't call anybody to a decision. My being out there doing good works doesn't call anybody to a decision. The gospel of Jesus Christ calls people to a decision. Are you going to come follow me? Are you going to put your, your faith in me? So we've got, those, we've got those four ideas right there. Folks, honestly... You say, well, I can't just have those four things. I don't know if I just believe so much in y'all and so high of you. I actually think you could take those four sentences, those verses, go home and look them up, and you could share with anybody. And I actually think most of you are smart enough to add a sentence or two of what I found, or you would explain it this way or that way. And you could potentially say something really dumb. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit can still work around you. He can still make it happen. And I'm telling you that from personal experience. It, you know, folks, you can read. If you can read, you can share the gospel. I've led a number of people to the Lord reading a gospel tract. I didn't explain it. I wasn't ready. I was scared, but I just literally read to them. You know, I was, uh, uh, one time I had a friend I went to pick up. We were going to go hang out at the mall the day after Christmas because that's just an exciting place to be after the day after Christmas. And uh, went, went, went to pick her up and she came out and was pretty visibly upset about something and started to share that as we were driving down the road. And, uh, I mean, I'm a 17-year-old boy, so no, I, I don't have all the answers to life's problems. I, she's crying, so that right there just makes it very awkward and uncomfortable. And, and so, I, I, I mean, I didn't know what to do. So I, I pulled over, and I reached into my glove compartment, and I had a thing called the Four Spiritual Laws. Some of you might, might refer to that. Campus Crusade for Christ. They call it crew today on college campuses. But I, I had a Four Spiritual Laws, and I just read it to her. That's all I did. I was scared. I didn't know if she was going to ask any questions. I mean, like, like any guy with a woman crying, that's just a little unnerving, right? But I just read, and she prayed to receive Christ. And, you know, not only did she receive Christ, but she went on to really live a very profound life in Christ. She married a pastor. I know the pastor well. I look up at him in the mirror every day. Uh, you know, so you never know where this gospel leading share goes, by the way. But, uh, folks, I just, just read. 
That's all I did in a very uncomfortable moment. I, I just read the gospel. Now, we, maybe today we don't use tracks as much. You, you can go to your phone and uh, Google uh, three circles, three circles of life, and you'll, you'll, I think you'll see it. There's a couple of things that will come up. I think it'll be pretty obvious. And you can go to that site, and you can download an app, and it's not only the words, got little pictures with it and everything, and you can just read and swipe. Right there, it's a, it's a great gospel presentation that you could, you could carry around right there. Very, very simple. It's just that easy. And I know we want to all make it, no, 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 there's this involved and that involved. No, no, there's not. If you'll start flapping your lips and wagging your tongue, you'll be shocked what the Holy Spirit can do with the gospel. <laughs> not just your mouth, uh, but, but with the gospel. So why aren't, why aren't we doing this? Well, that's where we move to category number two, the I'm not willing. You know, there's a lot of reasons we're not willing. A big one is I'm just not willing to look stupid. None of us wants to do something where I don't, I don't feel like I know what could happen. I don't feel like I can handle this. I just don't like looking dumb, right? That, that, that's just true for every one of us. And so they're gonna ask me some question I can't answer. Okay, well, first of all, your inability, my inability to answer a question in a moment does, does not change one thing about the reality of the gospel or the decision that they need to make. The, the answer to it or your inability to give it doesn't actually change anything. In most cases, now I'm talking about strategy here, in most cases, I'm going to try not to answer the question. I can answer a lot of the questions because I've heard them all over and over and over and over. They're going to ask you about suffering. They're going to ask you about why God would allow this. They're going to ask you about people who have never heard and what happens to them. And I just don't know if I could trust a God that there's a hell. I mean, there, there's a handful of things. And if many of you have had the, pl- the blessing of asking me a question, and then about 30 minutes later, you're thinking, oh, for the love of God, how do I get out of this? You know, so I've really got to be careful because if I start answering questions, we'll be a half a mile down that rabbit trail before I look up. And remember, I said five minutes. You use the five minutes. Hey, that's an important question. Matter of fact, a lot of people ask that. And I want to come back to that. But if I could, you know, I promised you I'd be done in five minutes. If I could just stick to this, I I think what we're talking about here holds true regardless of the answer to that question. And you say, well, I can't say I'm going to come back to it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with saying, I I don't know. But I can find out. I've got this pastor who will go on forever. By the time he gets done, you'll never want another answer again. You know? So that's how you, you know, another reason is the cost. You know, if I share with this person, they're never going to invite me over to their house for parties again. If I share with this person, it's going to cost me at work. You know, there's just a a, a hundred ways we'll think about that cost. Now, part of me wants to say, and isn't this true? The fear in here is usually bigger than reality. That the fear in here or here or wherever you think your fear here is, is bigger here than it is in reality. But I would actually be doing wrong by you to suggest that there's not a cost. Because Jesus said there was a cost. He actually put it right up front in your opening documents that you signed. He actually challenged you not to follow him without weighing, without considering the cost. You say, wait, he said there was a cost? He did. He said, if you live for me, if you live the gospel and share the gospel, it's going to cost you some friends, maybe even family. It absolutely could cost your job, and that will be very difficult. And it will cost some of you your lives. 
If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about all the way people sharing the gospel lost their lives. It actually says they got sawn in two. I, Lord, I, I don't want to get sawn in two. Why, 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 would I do, why would I do this, Lord? It, it, would it be okay to say for the joy of our Savior? Does that mean something to a lot of us? Would we be willing to pay that cost, that cost because we realize how absolutely, utterly temporary this moment is and that forever, forever divides on the gospel? So if I really believe in a heaven and if I really believe in a hell and it all divides on the gospel, well, then it would seem pretty clear why we would be willing to pay whatever kind of cost there might be. You know, we, we can, I, I can go on. We, we can talk about the, the various reasons and the cost and maybe ways to handle that and all that. But uh, something has changed in my life in the last year and a half. It's why I'm doing this series, why, why I've done this the last four out of five weeks. Because um, I've learned something about me. I've learned something about you. I've learned something about Christians all throughout America. We actually do know how to talk. We actually do know how to learn. And we're actually quite capable and ready to pay a price. You know, 18 months ago, very few of us could have carried on a conversation about a mask or a vaccine or a virus. We had no reason to, right? I have no reason to carry on a conversation. Since I had no reason, I had no convictions about that, no, no beliefs about that. But 18 months ago, something happened, and we got a conviction about that. By the way, if you're trying to figure out, now, which side is he approaching this from? Absolutely irrelevant. Christians on both sides of these things are, are going to prove what I'm talking about here, because I'm not talking about masks and vaccines and viruses. I'm talking about the gospel. And it didn't take us 18 months. It took us three or four months. And after about three or four months, we really began to develop a conviction. And with that conviction, we educated ourselves. There's not a person in here, nobody watching online, went to a single class on how to talk about this. Man, we went, went to our favorite cable news, our, our favorite radio personality. We, we got a little bit more engaged, and boy, we started researching on our own. I want to get the numbers. I want to get the videos. I want to be prepared. And we educated ourselves. Not one person told us to get educated. We did it all on our own. Why? Because we have a conviction. And with that education, guess what we all prove to each other? We'll talk to anybody. I'll talk in my front yard, I'll talk at work, I'll talk, I'll talk to a stranger, my family, my friends. I, I'll, I'll talk to somebody who disagrees with me, especially somebody who disagrees with me. And not only can we get ourselves educated, and not only can we talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime, we're absolutely willing to pay a cost. You know, in... 30 years of ministry, I've had one conversation, one, only one. I'm not saying this wasn't going on in, in, the, in other lives. I'm just saying I've had one conversation in 30 years where somebody came to me kind of as quasi-prayer request, somewhat advice, but, 
hey, in my job situation, I'm, I'm very likely going to lose my job because of how I'm trying to live and share the gospel there. And she did. She did lose her job. It was a very high-paying job, probably more than most of us in here will make. And, and she lost that. For I've had one conversation. Like Again, there may be others in the churches I've, I've been in, but I've only had one. In the last three months, I've had ten conversations about people ready to lose their job over this whole issue of masks and vaccines and viruses. Now, folks, I'm not telling anybody to not have a conviction about masks and vaccines and viruses. I'm just saying the last 18 months, I've really come to an uncomfortable possibility, an awkward possibility about the entire American Christian church. And that is possibly we don't share the gospel because we don't care. At least not as much as we do about masks and vaccines. We don't care about it as much as a virus. You know, God has an answer. He has an answer for, for death and disease. He has an answer for government and, and freedom and, and injustice and suffering. He, he has a, a, an answer for culture and philosophies. He, he, has an, he has an answer for why we wake up and live this day. It's the gospel. It is the answer to literally everything going on in anyone and everyone's life that you know. And I know that many of us in here will say, I I believe the gospel. I've received the gospel. And we've spent the last four, I mean, we, four weeks, we took a couple of weeks and unwrapped that word belief. What is it we believe? It was kind of those four points we just talked about. What do we believe? And and then we kind of let that kind of blow up and see all that that belief means what that means to our life. And if, hey, if I actually believe these things are true, then it should be translated into a way of living. That belief should show up in a life every day in every situation. It's the gospel. Gospel is not only what I live, but it's what I share. Why? Because there's questions and problems and issues every single day. And so the sermon's over. I'm two, three minutes from being done. Not only is the sermon over, but the, the series is over. And what I would have done in the last 30 years of my ministry, what any pastor, what any church would be doing right now is now trying to help you act on what you're feeling right now. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer, if you go out there, you can sign up today. And boy, I really believe a lot. Of, we'd have a big class. And you need to go out and do this. We'll teach you to tell that story. We'll practice that with you and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not going to do that. And I feel really uncomfortable not doing that. But this is what I've learned in the last 18 months. If you don't, have a, if you don't care and you don't have a conviction about the gospel, then it just absolutely does not matter what I tell you you can go out there and get. It just does not matter. The church in America has been doing that for 200 years. Just go right out there and you can take and you can learn. If you do have a conviction and you do care, then guess what? Anything I say, probably going to slow you down. It's probably going to get in the way if you really have that conviction. 
So maybe I guess the one thing I would ask of myself that I would ask of all of us is what do I think I should do next? What should I do next? I, I wonder, folks, and again, this, what I'm about to say is why I did this series. I, I wonder, regardless of what side of this you're coming from, I, I wonder what America would be or could be today if the American church had the same conviction and care for the gospel that we do masks and vaccines. And what we've shown for 18 months is we do not. Let's pray. Father, I know when I'm standing up here preaching, it, 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 I, it gives the appearance, the illusion that I, I just share. I'm sharing the gospel everywhere I can, everywhere I go. And, and Lord, I've probably walked away. You know this. I, I want to be honest with your people. I've probably walked away from 10 times the opportunities that I've taken for all the reasons I just talked about. Lord, we are a people who grumble and complain and fight, and we're ready to divide with family. We're ready to divide with friends. But it just wasn't over the thing you told us to be ready to divide. We complain about problems and we hide the answer. Lord, I want to I pray for something that I don't... None of us even... I don't even know if we believe this could happen. But God, what if? God, what if? Could we believe upon you for something that is above us and beyond us and beyond us? What if this room right here, coupled with the other hour, coupled with those online in our Midlothian campus, what if we shared the gospel a thousand times before this year was over? What could that mean in our homes? What could that mean in our community? Lord, would you move on me? Would you move on us in a way that that's exactly what happens? Oh, Lord, you convicted us to come to the gospel. Would you convict us that it's everything we have to share in this world? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.